Today's going to be a little different. Not your usual sermon fair. I've had this date circled on our calendar for a while. If you're visiting, welcome. Um, uh, but join us on this first of your Sundays uh, as we, uh, as a body, uh, tackle something that we need to tackle. It's a family discussion today. Um, but let me put you at ease. Everybody's like, oh, no. No one's resigning. No one's in error. There's nothing going on, you know, uh, within the leadership of our church. There's some things that we've had to handle, certainly, but uh, uh, we are as a church the same as we've ever been. Uh, we will continue to be, as a church, a place uh, where we seek to glorify God by being disciples who make disciples. Can everybody get behind me or behind us with that? Is who's with us on that? That's who we are. So the main thing remains the main thing, but every once in a while in the life of any organization, you've got to talk about some of the peripheries, some of the things that surround the main thing, and that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about some stuff. So here we go. Everybody with me? I don't usually give titles to sermons. Here's this one. Lines, likes, and lanes. Say it with me. Lines, likes, and lanes. We're going to talk about the unity of the church in general, and we're going to move to you know, some specific things that we've got to discuss as a church uh, in, in, as we get towards the close. But I thought we'd just kind of pick up where we left off last week. We talked about last week that the, the, the Christian life is a we life. We need each other. And God designed it specifically this way. He gave us to each other in the church. Uh, he created us to stay together in his name. And, and we find evidence for that all over his word. In fact, uh, Jesus, would it surprise you to know, he asked his father in one of his last prayers here on the earth before he was crucified, he asked his father in heaven to keep us together. He's bowing his head in the garden of Gethsemane. Uh, the pressure of what is about to face him uh, is causing you know, uh, the blood from his capillaries to actually seep from his pores. It's in your Bibles. Uh, he is stressed out. Uh, has lots to pray for. Anybody ever had lots to pray for? But what does he pray for as he finishes and concludes there in the garden? He prays for us. He prays for our unity. Look what he says in verse 20 of chapter 17 in John. He says, I do not ask for these. And he's maybe pointing to his sleeping disciples who are over there. So I not only ask for those guys, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Everybody wave at me if you're a Christian. Anybody in here a Christian? Okay, that's you. Jesus prayed for you the night that he was to be betrayed and sent to his cross. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be one. How many? One, just as you, Father, and I in me, and I in you, that we also may be in us, oh, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Lots of phrases there, but he's like, hey, I want the church to be one, Father, like you and I, and the Spirit are one in the, in the, in the triune nature that we are as God. Give that to your followers, to your church. All who would believe in me, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, so that they may even uh, may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. Oh, wow. Not just kinda, but completely. It's the Greek word teleos, perfection, complete in our oneness, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. We talked about this last week. Us staying together testifies to the world about the one that we follow. Uh, unity in the church 
draws us closer to each other, certainly draws us closer to God, and speaks to a world that needs him. Uh, but Jesus knew, that's why he's praying this, he knew that unity was going to be a problem for us. Uh, there's so many things uh, across many spectrums here in our world uh, for Christians to disagree about, from the trivial, carpet color. Has anybody ever heard this joke? I grew up, you know, in, in uh, angry, angry Baptist churches that would basically get in big fights at business meetings over the color of the drapes or what the carpet color was going to be in when we recarpeted the, the, the main room. I, I would call these ancillary issues, extras, maybe not something that we need to fight about. Okay, pick the color. If you don't like it, close your eyes while you're in here, okay? Everybody just, you know, uh, it's, it's not, imp- it's trivial, but then there's certainly more serious things, the, the theological issues that shape and mold us, and as we interact with God's word, we have to fall somewhere on them. There's all kinds of ways that we can divide, but throughout the story of the early church, that message of staying together remains. Paul, uh, the apostle, as he writes most of the back of your Bibles, implores the early church to stay together. I'm going to read these verses real quick. I think they're pretty self-explanatory, but as he's writing to the Philippians in chapter 2 of that letter, he says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ and any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, I'd like you to do this. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, of the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. And let each of you who are a part of this body in Philippi, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Are you picking up the stay together stuff there? He says it this way to Ephesus as he writes to them. In chapter 4, verse 1, he says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, Paul's in prison as he writes this, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Then he goes off on his list, seven things. There's one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. You have one Lord. One faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, I guess there's eight, who is uh, through all and in all. But grace was given to each of us that according to the measure of Christ's gift. It's good stuff. He's going to go on and talk about the gifts and how we function in our gifts there as one, but his, his main point there is stay together. Now, for the sake of time, let's just quickly run through uh, the ways that we haven't. Staying together is hard because we cross God's lines. Illustrations today. <laughs> Can everybody see the red line? Yeah, this is the line that God draws for us as humans. Uh, his first line for us uh, existed in a garden that he put the first people in. Um, uh, he told Adam and Eve not to eat from a particular tree. Anybody remember how that went? And yeah, not great, right? Uh, a, a serpent comes in, uh, Satan himself tempts Eve and dupes her and Adam and, and brings them into uh, you know, a, a broken relationship now with God. Why? Because they went from where they were meant to be with him across the line. And they chose him not. And just so we're clear, when we cross God's lines in life personally or certainly uh, as a church, uh, there's a consequence to be had. Uh, there's a, a, a brokenness that occurs. God draws lines, not just for us in how we behave. Everybody show me your hands. There's certainly moral lines that God has drawn for us, and I don't have time to detail. Uh, but we also uh, 
have lines that he gives for us in what we believe. Put your hand on your heart for me, yeah. These are the things that uh, we think and the ways that we worship. We're being told to avoid stuff like false teaching and idolatry. He says that in Exodus 20, verse 3, as uh, the Old Testament saints, the, the Jews of Israel, are given a reminder, a refresher of the law. Anybody remember what the first one is? It's right here. You shall have how many other gods besides me? Zero, right? I'm the one God. You worship me and me alone, and there's going to be all kinds of other options out there. Read your Old Testaments. The Jews of Israel found them. They kept flying off into all these false religions, all these false ideas of who God was. But over and over again, in our Bibles, God, through his writers, um, inspired these words. Trust in the Lord always, right? In all your ways, acknowledge him. and He'll direct your paths. Stay with me as you stay together. Did that change after Jesus came? The answer is absolutely not. It still happens in the church today that uh, we're meant to be here, and a lot of times we end up over here in how we think. We just miss the purposes that God has for us uh, in in our ways of thinking. This is why the church must stay together on the essentials of our faith. The church has to understand what is patently Christian, agree on those things, and stay together. Otherwise... We don't have what we have in Christ. If you go to our, our website, you'll, you'll read uh, there what we believe. You can click that button and it'll show you. Here's, here's our essentials. There's nine of them. Uh, just listing them quickly, uh, we believe that God is triune. He exists as Father, Son, and Spirit. We believe that God created man for himself. And uh, that man made a mess and, and his mission is to draw us back to himself through Jesus. We believe in eternity, uh, that it's secure for those who are in Christ. We believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, that he is fully God and fully man all at the same time. We can't mess with that. We believe uh, in the Holy Spirit uh, as the third member of God's triune nature, uh, that he is our helper and aid. We believe in salvation by faith alone, in Christ alone, through grace alone. We believe in the Bible, that it's the inspired and errant word of God. Tough to handle sometimes, but it's how he's revealed himself to us. We believe in the ministry of the saints and the worship of our Father. That's what we're doing right now. We're worshiping him by opening his words, singing his songs. We're we're making this about him. These are the essentials. Certainly not exhaustive, but the ones that we uh, must hold to, to be Christian. In the early church and even today, uh, people fall off and cross this line. Uh, outside of the things that God would have us believe. There's warnings uh, in these situations in our Bibles. John writes in his second letter that everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ, that person doesn't have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. And if anyone comes to you and does not bring the teaching of God, the teaching that Jesus has set up for us, these essentials of our faith, Don't receive them into your house or give them any kind of greeting. For whoever greets them is complicit with them. He takes part in those wicked works. Now, we've got to be vigilant and make sure that we're sticking to these essentials and not crossing this line that God has drawn for us in what we believe. So for the sake of time, that's all I'm going to say about lines. Can I move on to likes? Too often uh, the church is guilty of dividing over their likes and not God's lines. Here's what a lot of people love about church. Comfort. Oh, let me find the place that suits me. 
right? We've kind of uh, indoctrinated ourselves uh, with this whole like thing, right? Every social media platform has given us the opportunity to give a thumbs up or a thumbs down, right? Like this, don't like that. And sometimes, as humans, uh, we think our preference is uh, ultimate, and we should have what we want, especially here in America, you know? Work hard enough, get what you want. Uh, but we apply that to church. Can anybody guess how being comfortable works in church? I hope we uh, make you comfortable to a, to a point. And it's certainly not wrong to have your preferences, but uh, may God uh, uh, help us and judge us if we ever get up here and preach to you that your preferences are what's most important in your life with him. Christians get all, cup and, get all cut up in all kinds of preferences. Anybody want to guess what some of them are? Yeah, someone said music. That's what I had, number one. It's too loud. It's too soft. It's too fast. It's too slow. It's, uh, uh, you know, to this, to that. What's, where's my sister, Darnisha? We love you. Thank you, Brittany, sister. We, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope that's a given, but she's got the toughest job in the church. She's got to try to navigate everybody's preferences. Um, and, and you may be sitting there being like, yeah, when is she? Anyway, uh, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to all of us. All of us who would elevate our preferences over what's most important. Uh, there's the liturgy, uh, how we function or program ourselves as the church. Preaching, usually people leave after the first week on that one. Um, but even the aesthetics, how does it look in here? This is not, uh, you know, an ancient looking church, right? Closer, I mean, it's very nice. Is everybody, it's very tastefully done. Uh, but uh, we, we wouldn't confuse this with a, a cathedral from the Middle Ages, right? And some people, that's really important to them. They want that feel. They want the organ and the robes or whatever, right? Spin the wheel. Everybody's got some preferences. But why am I spending as much time on this as I am? Because we need to be aware. Our comfort is not ultimate. God's glory is. We need to make, <laughs> you can clap for that. Thank you, yeah. <laughs> Because um, it's true. Remember, uh, you clap to that the next time you're ticked off about something. <laughs> uh, as his church, can we all agree he's the boss? He's the say-so. And so we need to be where God is sending us and where God is needing us. It's not just about me and my. It's, it's all about him and his. We should never elevate our preferences to the level of essential. It's a spiritually immature position. And it's a division producer every time. So for God's sake, it's one of the times you can actually say that. Please, keep preferences where they are. Voice them, have them. But make sure that the main thing remains the main thing. So lines and likes, let me get on to this last one. Didn't remember what it was? Lanes. It's our last L of the morning. Um, a church has to pick lanes in the non-essentials of the faith. So lines, red. Lanes, eh, we've got to figure these out. We've got to sort out for ourselves where there might be, uh, you know, slight disagreements, church to church, tradition to the tradition, on how things could be interpreted and taken in God's scripture. Usually in these areas of conversation, theological ideas, um, there's, you know, two more extreme views, this, not that, and then kind of this third lane uh, that lives here in the middle somewhere, right? 
So one side says this, one side says this, and then there's churches who are kind of like, well, I like parts of both, all right? And so churches have to navigate these things. Um, uh, we, in, in these areas of non-essentials in the faith, we agree to disagree without being disagreeable, right? We seek to honor each other and, and to not exclude each other because we don't have these non-essentials in common. The essentials, that's where we're like, sorry, we're out. If you disagree with me on the, the fact that Jesus is God and that Jesus is God's son, um, that's a cultic idea. We, we don't agree with that. And, and this, we still love you and we want to reach you and, and, and convert you in your thinking, but that is not Christian, that's not me. But in these lesser areas, and some people disagree on these being lesser or more essential, but in these lesser areas, we just got to have charity with each other. And be like, hey, that's not how we do it here, but you're still a brother or sister in Christ. You wanna guess some of these? The Lord's Supper, who serves it? How often we take it? I had some this morning. Anybody else take a part in the Lord's Supper this morning? Um, we, we do it the way that we do it. We have our mode of baptism. I believe that the scripture teaches get dunked. Some of you grow up getting sprinkled or sprayed or doused or whatever it was. Um, does that make you unchristian if you didn't get baptized like I think you should? No. Uh, church polity, how churches should be structured. Uh, I grew up, the deacons were bosses in the churches that I grew up in, uh, but then I've moved to what is a, an elder-led church. Both offices are spoken of in the, in the Bible, but, but how churches choose to be governed, uh, whether they're tied to denominations or, or, or autonomous and in, independent, that can differ. One of the big ones is spiritual giftedness, especially when it comes to the sign gifts, like speaking in tongues or prophesying. Uh, in this room right now, we got people all over the place on, on those uh, ideas or those understandings from Scripture. It's in your Bibles. We've got to deal with them. Some people think that they ceased in the first century. Other people think that they should be fully expressed today. And we kind of find ourselves as one of those where we kind of find ourselves <laughs> right here in the middle. If that's your tradition, come here. Are we going to be actively participating in the practice of those things in our corporate worship? No, because we think it can be a divisive thing. But that's just kind of a, a representation of some of the areas of non-essential that we have to find charity in and, and continue to be unified in what matters most. Now, the one I want to talk to you about today with the rest of my time is the one that we got to kind of do some stuff about. And it's specifically the roles of the, the ladies in our church, the roles of women in leadership in the church. I've uh, been uh, reading excerpts from this book that I read a long time ago. Uh, if you want to join me in this conversation on a deeper level, I'd encourage you to get this book. It's called Two Views on Women's Ministry. Uh, it's uh, in a Zondervan series called the Counterpoint series. Um, this was uh, a, a, a revised edition. It's got four views now. They just didn't, they didn't change the title. Uh, but they've got other lanes in this particular area of conversation. Uh, I'm not going to be able to be exhaustive in my dealing with this, okay? But here's the basic two uh, you know, uh, areas that people usually uh, fall in. One is called complementarianism. Everybody say complementarianism. Here's what complementarian is. I wrote it down for you. Complementarianism holds that God restricts women from serving in certain church leadership roles and instead calls women to serve in equally important but complementary roles. That's this end, okay? 
in recent years, uh, there has been a movement uh, towards a different understanding of many of the same passages that complementarians, it's a hard word to say, uh, would say promote or support their ideas. Uh, this is called egalitarianism, okay? I'm gonna just skip forward for me. I'm gonna get back to the verses here in a second. But egalitarianism, there we go. Ega everybody say egalitarianism. Egalitarianism is this. It holds that there are no biblical gender-based restrictions on ministry in the church, okay? So let me go back here to the complementarians. They go to verses like these in 1 Timothy chapter 2, and they uh, interpret them specifically and literally for all time. They say, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I, Paul says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. Okay. Again, don't have time to go into the in-depth dealings of, of the two views and their handling of this passage, but complementarians read this passage and they're like, there, done, that's it. Egalitarians, take other passages, like this one in Galatians. Perhaps you're familiar with it. It says in Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all in one, uh, one in Christ Jesus. So the dis because Jesus came and saved us, the distinguishing marks of male and female, and even the roles that they should inhabit or keep in the church, those have been obliterated by the grace of Jesus Christ. Now, certainly the grace of Jesus Christ does many things for us, but it's debated, does, does this include the roles that God would have for us in the church? For 30 years, we've been, almost 30 years, we've been a church, okay? You may want to guess where we are? Right here in the tension of ticking them off and ticking them off. <laughs> this is where we land, and, and not, un, not unreasonably. We, we have adopted a position by a, a professor of uh, biblical theology at a Denver seminary. His name's Craig Blomberg. He's actually the editor of the book that I just showed you. Uh, I call it uh, uh, moderate complementarianism. It's called soft complementarianism. I don't like being soft. Uh, but... Uh, more moderate in our complementary views of things. It's kind of where we've landed. So here's what that means. Essentially, we agree with the complementarians that men and women are distinct and that certain roles within the church, by God's design, not because boys are better or that women aren't qualified, but just by his design, as many things are. Does everybody agree that God's got a design? By his design, certain things function a certain way, and our interpretation of the passages that govern men in roles and women in roles is that the highest roles in the church, that of elder and that of senior pastor, are to be held by men in the church. Now what that means is, is that any other spiritual giftedness area where a woman could exercise her gifts can be exercised under the headship of those men, of that leadership board or that leadership group in our church. And so Darnisha gets up as the pastor of our worship and leads us in that role. She leads our men and our women. And we have absolutely no pause or, or conviction in that because she remains under the headship of what we believe God mandates for male role leadership. And she functions in the fullness of what God has gifted her to do. I'm sorry, Darnisha, I'm using you a lot this morning, but that's that's how we roll. Ladies, we want you, listen, look at me. Your elders want you to discover and implement your gifts that God has given you and to be used of him in this church and around wherever God sends you in the ways that he's designed you to be used. 
That's what we believe. And it's, it's what, I'm bringing it up, it's what we've always believed because this next part's going to make a little more sense when you understand that this is where we've always landed. We've never not been this idea. So this is a question and we'll kind of finish. Why are we talking about this, Mark? Well, it's good to know. It's good to hear where we stand as a church. If, you've been, if you're a member of our church, perhaps you've asked these questions in our membership class and we've given you similar answers. You've stuck around. I'm guessing if you've stuck around here, we haven't been different for the 30 years we've been in existence. And if you've stuck around, it's, maybe you disagree with me, you're more of that end or this end, but you've stuck around because, hey, it's a minor issue, it's a non-essential, and even though I may disagree, God has me here. I say thank you and I say good for you. But we're talking about this uh, specific issue because a unique situation has come up for our church. Our position hasn't changed, but those whom we have shared affiliations with are potentially changing their position soon. Um, This might be a surprise to some of you. Uh, We are a member of the Southern Baptist Convention of Churches. Uh, It's not on our, our billboards and stuff like that, but we have always been. We were started by and have always agreed with creedally the beliefs of the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, even though we are not super active, we're not a Southern Baptist to some other Southern Baptist churches. I've never been to any of the conventions. I've never, I know some, many of the Southern Baptist pastors here. I love them. I'm not near as Southern Baptist as they are, right? Uh, so even though it's kind of a tacit or a, um, you know, a, not a you know, dark, you know, heavy line of connection, um, we have been connected with them gladly, willingly, happily uh, in the time that we've uh, shared our association. This past summer, the Southern Baptist Convention took place in June, uh, 12,700 de- delegates uh, attended, and, and the way the Southern Baptist Convention works is, is they take votes on certain positions, and someone brought before the Southern Baptist Convention this area of women's roles in ministry. Um, there was a, an overwhelming response to a more stricter complementarian view, which would basically require any Southern Baptist church uh, to remove women from not just uh, having the title of pastor or leader, but also to remove them from having any of those kinds of roles within the church as, as they would define you know, the, the, the complementary roles. So it's not like we could just change pastor to director or some other word. It, it would be us saying, hey, thanks a lot, Darnisha, for, or thanks a lot, Betsy, or you know, uh, so glad to have you, but we can't have you in these roles anymore because of our affiliation with our Southern Baptist friends. That's already started. Uh, one of the more famous Southern Baptist churches in recent years has been Saddleback Church in California. The founding pastor, he's no longer on staff there. He's retired, but uh, his name's Rick Warren. He wrote the book, uh, Purpose Driven Life. Some of you are old enough to remember. Uh, and, and just an incredible work of God there. Uh, but they've you know, included women in their pastoral roles, and the Southern Baptists voted to disassociate with them, to exclude them um, from their fellowship. Uh, and they are no longer a Southern Baptist church. Why am I telling you all this? Um, this will be voted on a second time this summer. And if it is, uh, you know, approved, and this position moves forward, there's going to be lots of letters going out the next week to churches like ours who say we love you, but on this position, we have no longer seen this as a, uh, a lane for us now it's a line. Everybody see the difference? We're taking a, a, a more um, uh, you know, 
strict stance on this, and if you are not in agreement with us on this thing, um, I guess, I don't know which way to put this, but you get what I'm saying. It's a line, right? Which for us is still a lane. Well, we need you to decide, in or out, uh, which are you going to do. Our elders have prayed uh, behind the scenes. This is what we do at elder meetings. Some of you might think we just sit around eating banana pudding. We do that too. It's really good. (laughs) We pray a ton, and we weigh what God would have us do in these kinds of situations. Thankfully, in my time as your pastor, never had one of these. Uh, But this has come up, and so we've talked and prayed and, and wrestled and debated what God would have us do. And I'm here to announce to you that uh, recently our elder board, uh, to a man, unanimously agreed uh, that um, regrettably, heartbreakingly, uh, we need to uh, separate from the Southern Baptist Convention because we're not gonna change where we are on this position. Oh. Okay. Thank you. Well, as, as, your, as your claps uh, stop, we, we love the Southern Baptists, okay? We are not, I am not up here impugning them. We agree with them in, in almost every other area of theology and purpose. And, and uh, we, we've shared so many sweet, uh, you know, relationships. There's a guy, he's, he's the head of the Tampa Bay Baptist Association. His name is Mike Kahn. He's just one of the dearest brothers in Christ that I've ever met. He was instrumental in us partnering with uh, First Baptist Church of Mango, which has now become the chapel. I've known him for all the years that I've been here, and, and we've just had this sweet, sweet fellowship of having this, you know, like denomination. We pray, listen to me, and he's already said this to me, because we've met and talked about this. I told him where we're kind of heading, and he's like, hey, man, as far as I'm concerned, let's continue to minister together. Let's continue to be brothers. We're, we're not separating from them. We're just uh, making this move for a few reasons. Let me detail them. Uh, uh, we're making this move now uh, because if the vote passes in the summer, they're going to ask us to leave. Uh, we are committed here at this church to as little drama as possible. Why is that? Because there's way bigger things at stake than who we are affiliated with denominationally. I love the Southern Baptists, but give me Jesus and his gospel and let me share it with people who need it. We want to be about that, not the potential media circus that could be us being disavowed or disassociated or asked to leave or whatever that is. We want to be people who love God and and love those that he loves. We want to serve him and serve others. We want to continue to be about disciples or being disciples who make disciples. So our position hasn't changed, but we feel it's time for our relationship with the denomination that we have loved um, to move in a different direction. Some of you might be like, if you're not in a denomination because you grew up in different denominations, who's going to provide accountability? Um, are we going to seek another partner to make sure that that continues? Let me just kind of explain briefly for you how the Southern Baptist Convention works. Uh, there's uh, some 47,000, I think, I might have that wrong, churches in the Southern Baptist Convention, but they all function autonomously. Uh, the Southern Baptists are different from other uh, uh, denominations in that there's no bishops and there's no, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, oversight from the, the head office or the state office. Or the, there, there's certainly a relationship and, and, and you know, mutual uh, purposes being, uh, you know, seen and met. But, but as far as the Southern Baptists coming in here and telling us to do anything a certain way, other than where we're heading, um, that's just not how they function. And, and I think that's great. I believe every church should 
function autonomously. And, and, and so, so for, for the 30 years that we've been in existence, the, the, uh, the authority or the, uh, uh, the, the checks and balances of your church have always rested with the, the elder board and, and the pastoral staff that they partner with to lead things around here. Let me encourage you. Um, Southern Baptists, obviously, because of how their nature is, have never required like churches to have audits. Um, our elder board has always required, that's going into the business side of things, to audit our books. And you'll be glad to know, we're squeaky clean every year. Now, sometimes the number's higher, sometimes it's lower, right? Uh, but by the grace of God, um, we, we've never had anything uh, untoward happen in my time with you. And it's greatly in part because we make sure that nothing untoward is going on as we, you know, submit ourselves to an outside, uh, you know, governing, uh, auditing uh, team. And, and they come in and tell us, here's where you need to fix stuff so that you can be uh, right as rain in how you follow a heart after Jesus. I know this might kind of bore you on the business side of things. Some of you are probably like, oh, yeah, Mark. Keep going. Are we almost done? Um, but I just wanted you to hear that. Uh, we're not going to go seek another denomination to join. We're going to become and actually continue to be God's church called Bay Life. And we're just going to continue to function the way uh, that he wants us to. Now, for that to happen, here we go. Details. Who loves details? Uh, we are, as a, an organization, incorporated under some bylaws and some articles uh, of, of intention or articles, uh, uh, I'm forgetting the name, but we got rules. Um, the bylaws that govern us, can you imagine as a Southern Baptist church, they're filled with Southern Baptist language. And so if we uh, decide that God, and we have, that God is leading us to no longer officially associate uh, with that denomination, we need to change the wording of our bylaws. Here's where the member, wave at me if you're a member of our church, how you doing? Here's where you guys uh, and us come in. Uh, we have to, by our bylaws, if we're going to, you know, alter or update our bylaws, um, put that before you guys, let you, sub, you know, just read all of the bylaws and make sure that we're not doing anything crazy, uh, but then to come in a couple weeks' time, February 18th, and after both of our services that week, uh, we'll have an opportunity to approve these updated bylaws as a part of this measure uh, to move in the directions that God is leading us to go. Okay, so uh, we have provided for you on our website the updated and the previous versions of our bylaws. You can go to baylife.org slash weekly. Do it right now on your phones if you want. And you can click the button that says bylaws and articles, and it will take you there. And you can read everything that you're going to have the opportunity to, to ratify and approve or disapprove, whatever it is. Um, and and th that will be happening in a couple weeks. Next week after the second service. I know this is the first service crowd. But if you've got questions, here's, here's two ways you can do that. You can email to baylife at baylife.org, so baylife, all one word, at baylife.org. Any of your questions, and we will, through email, try to answer those as best we can for you uh, as we move towards uh, what's going to be happening in a couple weeks. But if you want to come and, and talk with myself and our executive pastor, Tom, and, and the elders present uh, about any of these issues, uh, we, we will uh, entertain that after second service next week on the 11th of February uh, in the loft next door. Uh, you can join us there. Finally, as I've already mentioned, uh, we're going to have the opportunity uh, to vote to approve these new bylaws and articles on February 18th. Uh, we'll have electronic uh, opportunities. You can use your phone or ballots. Um, that's the deal. That's what I need to share with you today. I told you it was going to be different. Can I share you with you a couple pictures as we close? Darnesha's going to come up. We're going to sing. 
but uh, uh, you know, thank you for just being a support to our church. I'm looking out at many people that I've known for years, and uh, yeah, this is a little different. It's something that we have to walk through, but I, I've I've just been so blessed to be your pastor. So blessed to see how God has worked amongst us, kept us together in so many ways. I trust uh, as we move forward, uh, we'll continue to do that. Um, if if, uh, if we come back after our vote in a couple weeks and, and we haven't secured what we need to, just keep in mind, we're not changing our position. This isn't a vote on our position. As the elders have sought God, this is where we've always been. And so we either do this now or it's gonna be something that happens to us probably in June. And so that's why we're doing it now. Um, I, I had uh, one of our teammates uh, on our staff produce a picture. This is who we are today. Everybody see it? And this is who we're going to be tomorrow. Yeah. Everybody picking up what we're putting down there? By God's grace, we're the same. Nothing has changed here. Uh, some of the peripheral things around us uh, need our attention. But our mission is the same. To glorify God by being disciples who make disciples. To seek to honor him in all of our handlings of his scripture. And where he leads us to st- to stay where he leads us, uh, even if that creates these kinds of situations that need our attention. Uh, I think it's great at a time like this for us to close just with that song that we sang before I got up, to be reminded that we're here to be a blessing to God, to each other, as he blesses us. Will you stand with us as we sing?